Hey kids, Townsend Coleman here, the voice of Michelangelo from the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Cowabunga! And you're listening to the Neverland Podcast right now, which is totally bodacious. The Neverland Podcast, episode 36. Welcome to Neverland. Take a start of the right straight until morning. To all who come to this happy place, welcome. And now, please welcome your host for the podcast. He's the pen. I got pen sword on the pen now! Actually, I got his microphone. He's grown up. You promise never to grow old. Here age relives fond memories of the past. His nose got real big. Well, who was back to the man? And now your host, Jeremy. Thank you, thank you, and welcome, welcome once more to the Neverland Podcast. This is going to be a long show today. We have so much to do, so much fun packed into one show that I really got to get started. But let me tell you first what we got going on. Right now, this weekend, most of you are probably uh, aware already of Friends of the Magic 2014 going on in Disneyland right now. And right now... Lost Boy Jesse is in Disneyland covering the event, hosting an event uh, on the, the ship Columbia. I had tried to be able to call in and say hello to all of our listeners that were there, but uh, he, he said he really couldn't hear, and even Scott Morris from Disney Indiana was standing right next to him when we tried to make the call, and they just couldn't hear me over the speakerphone. So... I have no idea what all's going on besides a lot of fun stuff, but we're going to get to hear all about it next week. Jesse will be on the show to tell us about all the cool things that happen, and he'll have audio of the event for us to hear. It'll be great, but that's next week. But what's going on this week right here on this show, not at Friends of the Magic, but right here, is there was a brand new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie released over this weekend. And I would wager some of you saw it and some of you were probably thinking, gee, I don't know about this one. Michael Bay produced. I'm not always a big fan of what he does. And there was a lot of skepticism going on with this movie. But we do have a review of that movie with my wife uh, that we did. We did go and see that. And we have a review for you, which we will present today on the Neverland Podcast, but then we have a very, very special guest that joined us today, Mr. Townsend Coleman, voice actor extraordinaire. Uh, as you've heard in some some uh, bumpers I've had, I've played on the last couple episodes, he was the voice of Michelangelo and The Tick, uh, Sentinel Prime on Transformers Animated, he was also on the original Transformers series, just so much work, but we're mainly going to talk to him about his role as Michelangelo and working on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's a great talk. I well, I really even had to barely had to ask him any questions. He was just telling great stories and just was was sharing all kinds of things. He was so much fun. You are gonna love this. So stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Make sure you got your earbuds in or plugged in good, and so you don't miss a bit of it. And let's roll. 
Oh, but oh my gosh, I almost forgot. Before we can get started, you need to pull your pixie out of your pocket and sprinkle some of that pixie dust around on you and some of your friends that you're telling about the show. Get that happy thought so we can get started. My goodness, I almost forgot to do what we say every week. That's terrible. I'm losing my cool here. All right, but anyways, you got your pixie dust? Have you sprinkled? Are you ready? Get that happy thought. Let's go. Surveillance is showing heavy foot clan activity. We're taking hostages. Let's rock and roll. City. That's what I'm talking about. Like shadows in the night, yeah. completely unseen. Who's that? It's a camera flash. <laughs> Give me the camera. Oh, look, he's doing his Batman voice. Back off, Rat. Do not say a word about this to anyone. If you do, we will find you. Yeah, we'll find you. I'm sorry, that came across super creepy, okay? That's. <laughs> we will find you, though. My sons, I have trained you your whole lives to protect the city above. But I fear you are not ready for its greatest threat. We're taking your armor to the next level. Shredder. You must stop, Shredder. Together, you are stronger than he can ever be. Let's go save my brothers. Four turtles, one's fighting a robot samurai. Why not? So they're aliens. No, that's stupid. They're turtles. Is there anything else we should know about them? They're ninjas. Okay, so how about we just go ahead and we give you our overall opinions of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, reboot or relaunch. Overall, it was fun. We had a good time. It it was a fun movie. I enjoyed it. Uh, It was not as bad as it could have been. It was not as bad as we feared. But it was definitely not as good as we would hope it to be if you're a big fan of the Ninja Turtles. But if, you, if you're about like a 10-year-old kid or younger and you're not that familiar with the characters, you just enjoyed the cartoon, you're going to have a blast. Yeah, this is your generation of turtles. You know, we're older, so yeah. we, we have a different viewpoint. Um, yeah, and this you're is maybe your not that familiar. generation of turtles. You're going to like it. Yeah, maybe you're not that familiar with their origin, so you don't mind a different origin so much. You're just, oh, look, it's turtles. Although, I think some kids might get bored uh, waiting for the turtles to actually do something. But uh, in order to get into that, I'm going to do this in a new fashion. We're calling it the good, the bad, 
and the ugly. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, so here we go. Uh, you'll understand how this works when I go through uh, my list here, and then Heather's got a list that we've been working on too. Okay, so the good. The turtles' personalities were perfectly intact, and their interactions were fun and a highlight of the movie. They really got these characters right. Uh, Donatello's very much nerdy. Raphael's very much the hothead. Uh, Michelangelo was funny, uh, although I guess you thought Michelangelo was, was it you or was it Philip? Was kind of thought Michelangelo you had a little. I no, think Philip thought Michelangelo he he had had enough of him, but I guess you really have to like Mikey. Um, but yeah, all the personalities really came out, and it was a lot of fun. The bad part is the turtles to me were not as much the main attraction. They were about as much of the main attraction as the Lone Ranger was the star of his own movie. It seemed they were sidelined behind April. Uh, the really ugly, they had very weird human lips on their faces, which were really kind of creepy. With the masks on, it wasn't bad. But the one thing you saw in the trailer where Michelangelo takes his mask off, I, I think we all cringed at that. Not that he took his mask off, it's just when we got a look at the face, you're like, eee, it's a little too human to where it looks kind of scary. Okay, here's something else. Here's the good. Splinter was voiced expertly by the fantastic Tony Shalhoub. He didn't have, a, Jap he didn't have a Japanese accent. But I just love Tony Shalhoub, so I loved having him in, him in there. So I was willing to just but take him in there. But fit his origin. Yeah. Well, the bad, yeah, it fit his origin, but we don't want to say anything. Mm -hmm. The bad is you won't believe how he learned ninjutsu. Uh, the ugly is he's is him. He's not cute for being a furry creature, you know. Uh, he's not even like super cool looking like in the modern animated series. He's very kind of cool looking. Uh, he's really just creepy looking. Uh, think of the ugliest Chihuahua you've ever seen and mix it with a rat. It's a weird, creepy, bug-eyed thing with a Fu Manchu. Uh, just ugh. yeah, yuck. Okay, something else that was good. Megan Fox, actually, I thought she did a pretty good as April O'Neil. She she didn't do anything annoying or anything. Uh, she actually did a pretty good job. You could really kind of believe her and stuff like that. The bad part is, is that she was really the main character, the linchpin to all major story developments. Every piece of the plot, including a major part of the, the turtle's origin and uh, how some interactions happen with the foot, and the, the finale of the movie all rest upon April doing things. She was the hero of the movie, uh, which is fine. I love having her help out, but it was she was the linchpin. She was the crucial piece, uh, which was too much. It's not her movie. It's not supposed to be. And the ugly is that it took us about 30 minutes before we even get to go hang with the turtles. We get hints of them before that, but it took at least half an hour, if not longer, before we actually got to go and follow them around to, to interact and watch them do their thing to be, you know, the characters we love them to be. And that only lasts about five minutes, and then we're back to the April O'Neil movie. Another thing that was good, the Shredder, how he was scary and dangerous, and, uh, I mean, he was wiping the floor with, with, with everybody, and he's kind of big and scary, and, I mean, he's a really good, good villain. The problem is, our main villain is this character, Eric Sachs. He's the one you're going to see most of. He is supposed to be working for the Shredder overall, which... Spoilers. Well, uh, the trailers already gave that away. If you were paying attention, and uh, you, of course you don't get the character's name really, but he, uh, he, was, he was a cool villain. I did like him, but it was more. It seemed like his plot. He seemed to be the one who was benefiting from the villainous plot. Uh, and uh, the really the ugly part of this is there is no backstory of Oroku Saki mentioned. In fact, you will never even hear the name mentioned. 
Something else that was good. There is an interesting plot here, and it threatens the whole city, and it's not just, oh, look, it's a crime wave of the Foot Clan, which has been relied upon before, which was actually what the comics were like. Uh, so there's, there is more going on. Uh, the bad part is this plot line is linked directly to the origin of the Turtles, and if you're an old-school Turtle fan, you're probably not going to be 100% satisfied. You're going to be a little bit, oh, really? Okay. And uh, the ugly is, well, the given origin of the Turtles. Uh, it's bad that they had to use it to make it a, a plot point, so there's really no other way to have done it the way they set the plot up. But also, it's I really was not happy. And when you watch it, you'll probably see why. I don't want to say why, but there's something that you're, you're okay for a while, but then there's something like, really? Which is tied back to what I said about Splinter's bad. The good. The turtles were lean, mean fighting machines, and they're ready for almost any opponent. They were out there, and they were, you know, although it was a bit much, and this goes into the bad. They had superpowers. Uh, basically, when before you actually get to see them, I mean, there there are people who are flying across that say, "Oh, the turtles must have done that." They're flying and smashing through brick walls. If if the turtles have done something to you, you're gonna smash through a few items. You're going flying. Which would have, you know, they're not supposed to be, uh, granted ninjas were supposed to be assassins, but in a, in a regular Ninja Turtle that we're used to with the cartoons, and now granted the early comics were different, but they're not supposed to be like super lethal. They, you know, that's, they're, they're, they're not, they weren't that kid-friendly thing, but that might be a good thing for you too. Uh, but it was a bit much that, oh look, I've been something, I've interacted with a turtle, now watch me, not see the turtle, but you'll see a, a foot soldier, which, yeah, the foot soldiers were running around with guns, not swords. They weren't ninjas. They were terrorists, uh, pretty much. But you see them smash through brick walls or go flying through subway things. Uh, it was ridiculous. And, of course, superpowers also entailing being able to bust through metal, punch holes through the top of cars, and being bulletproof. Um, the ugly, all you need really to do is get a taser to bring them down. So, all these phenomenal cosmic superhuman powers, strength of Superman or the Hulk, but you use a taser on them and that's it. <laughs> Alright, Heather, let's go to your good, bads, and uglies. Okay, so here was my good, bad, and the ugly, okay? I was okay with the way the turtles mutated um, and how that origin was. The the bad though, I wasn't okay with Splinter's origin. And once you get that, but I come you know once again from the fan base of you know the the older '80s and things like that. So it worked, I thought, for the turtles, but not so much for um, Splinter. Uh, and the ugly is that I am sad that there was no Hamato Yoshi. Um, we, we come from this as, you know, from the rat, because there's two main origins, you know, if you well, know the careful, history though. of it. Yeah. You know, you've got one where he was a human becoming a rat, or a rat and becoming, um, you know, mutated. And so, that, it, you get either, neither either way, either way, Hamada Yoshi plays a role, and then you don't get either of them. So, anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah be careful, don't say too much. <laughs> We're being careful about spoilers here. Okay, the good, um, I love Donatello and Michael O's voices. Michelangelo. Or Michelangelo, excuse me. Michael O. Michael oh, well, anyway. <laughs> Donatello and Michael Lowe, I thought voices were great. <laughs> you did it again, honey. That's funny. <laughs> um, they were. I thought they were right on as far as their characters and things like that. Um, so I thought they were spot on. Yeah, um, Donatello had glasses that he wore normally, which it's it's different, but I liked it. It fit his character. I liked character. it. I, I really, I really. He liked sounded it. like he should. He acted like he should. Yes, really was they fun. Both, they both did. This yeah. is my review. I'm just I'm just adding and agreeing with you. Okay. The bad, though, was I would like to have seen more of Leonardo. I would have liked to have seen him more as the, the leader, 
and things like that. So I thought his character should have been stronger as the leader rather than the other two. Although the other two, you know, serve a purpose as comic relief, particularly Michelangelo. Okay, and in the ugly, um, they were a little too human, like Jeremy mentioned before. Um, just a little bit too much of, you know, the rippling biceps and, you know, and all Their that Their shells kind of had, like, that. Uh, like, a six-pack. Yeah, that, that was a little bit much for me. Yeah. Um, and, and they're a little too superhuman. I mean, there are times where they take so much damage... And you're going, it stretches the believability. So that's that yeah. was my part on that. Including, we'll just say there's a certain injury that that they acknowledge. Oh wow, this has happened, but it didn't seem to matter with what happened five minutes later. We'll just say that. Okay, and then the good, um, they were ninjas. You know that I I liked at the beginning that they remained hidden. That there was you know that element of we are ninjas. We you know we're not just coming out and hello world here we are. Yeah, strike fast, strike hard, and do not see them. <laughs> you know, and so I really, I really appreciated that. Um, Raphael was kind of like the the tough guy. I mean, I like Raphael. This is her oh, bad. This is my bad. Sorry, this is my bad. So Raphael was like the really the tough guy. He was there, um, and but I felt like there should have been a hierarchy into the. Um, into the skill levels of them, and it's established with you know not just the comics, but you know if you if you've seen any of the other movies or the um, the the cartoons on TV, there is a hierarchy in the skill level. Leonardo should be the most skilled because he is the leader, and then Raphael is like right behind him. You know, like they're a rival for that kind of thing. Donatello is behind Raphael, and Michelangelo kind of re- link you know comes up the rear with that so yeah that is her opinion you might hold different opinions on skill levels on each one that's fine feel free to share them with us but that, there's people who like Raphael yeah I know anyway. but there's but there there really is where Leonardo and Raphael should be on equal terms but it seemed like Raphael was the workhorse here rather than letting Leonardo really show that he is the leader that yeah. was that was my big gripe with that and then the ugly, I guess, on that one, to keep with the theme, um, the, the indestructible part of it was uh, that I really had a hard time um, swallowing the damage that they sustained, and somehow we act like it doesn't really even matter. I think it would have been much more, um, you could have bought the, the, the struggle and felt like there was a win at the end if they had to push through some of the pain a little bit more. You know, yeah, because there, there is some stuff that happens to all four turtles, mm-hmm. three of them in particular that had something happen to them that really, I mean, without even so much as a, uh, I need a cookie, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'll just say that. Because <laughs> if you've seen the movie, you'll probably understand it, especially if you've ever done a certain nice charitable okay, thing to you. Just- all right, and then so. for the good, um, I liked April. Um, I disagree with Jeremy on there was too much April. I thought that it was it, it was fine. Um, I, I I I liked the way that um, you know she came about and her origins and how it interacted with the turtles. And I was I was she had fine. a science origin. I liked that, that they uh, had yes. that in there because originally that's what she's supposed to have been. It was a lab partner to Baxter Stockman in the original comics. So I, I liked April, and I, I, I was okay with the way she interacted, and I didn't have a problem with that. And then I couldn't think of any bad or the ugly, but there there you go. Anyway, um, listen. <laughs> okay, so for um, the good, okay, Shredder, Shredder was not a white guy, I think, you know. We, yeah, we there were some fears online that that was going on um, because we kept seeing the guy who plays Eric Sachs he, as the he villain. Is, he is um, certainly, uh, uh, you know, Asian origin. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, they do show his face, which is yeah, kind they shouldn't of have shown his a face. little bit of a, 
you kind of don't want to. That's part of his mystique. Is like, who is it underneath the mask? Just a little bit. Although we know okay. who he is, but yeah. Um, the, the bad on that was I really had a problem with Shredder having too much hardware. It really seemed like it was that the character relied too much on the tech and too much on all of the, the I mean, hardware. I mean, he looks like a... I Transformer? Mean, well, yeah, really <laughs> did look a lot like a Transformer um, rather than his skill with ninjutsu. Um, and so I guess I would have rather him to have a little less hardware and a little more skill. I mean, he showed plenty of skill, yeah, but some but of the some of the main things that happen to get the action moving along requires on the hardware rather than his actual skill. So, anyway. but he needed that hardware because the turtles were pretty superhuman. Yeah, everything's so. amped up a bit. And the ugly. The ugly. Oh, and this is a personal beef. I have so much a problem with slow mo action scenes and action scenes going so fast that you can't keep up with it that you have to slow it down for people to see to I, catch that detail yeah i just really that is not my thing you know it's a michael can, bay thing you can have a fight scene and that was one of the good things about it, is if you got lots of action if you came out to see an action movie you're gonna get it we've we've got lots of action lots of explosions lots of all kinds of stuff but once again i thought the action was too fast you really can't follow it um, and that detracts from the story for me. I too not honestly like, oh, okay, I can't even follow this, so I'm done. Tell me when it's over, you know, and that, that's just me. Yeah, we want to be able to follow an action sequence and, say, and be able to say, yep, yeah, there was a punch and there was a kick and everything, but if it goes too frenetically quick, then you're just like, okay, well, the turtles are just mopping through these guys here. Okay, and except for you can see when they get hit with tasers. They wanted to make sure you see, ha, taser, taser, taser. The action itself should really tell a story, especially if you have action heroes. Like, it should be part of the story to portray their skill as part of and, and they're part of person their personality like what do they choose to fight with how do they choose to fight what is their attitude during the fighting but if everything's going so fast you lose that plot element i feel yeah oh i've thought of another good bad and the ugly because we haven't mentioned the good you will find some characters from the old uh, animated series from the 80s which is kind of fun kind of thrown in for fun like Vern. oh they just call him Vern. i think it was vernon in the, Vern. maybe he was Vern in the original cartoon but he's in there that's mm-hmm. good yeah the bad is you don't really see a lot of that that personality that, that you expect from Vern until later on in the movie where he's a little bit of that ego kind of thing that he had. You know, he doesn't present that way. He, you 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 like the character, but he, he shouldn't be as likable as he was. He was he should have been a bit more annoying, and that's part of his charm. Mm-hmm. And the ugly is well, he seemed like he was kind of the love interest. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Not Vernon. Not Vern, please. Um, and that was actually something else that was good for, for throwbacks to the original animated series. That's another good. I was just A lot like of good that. things. Uh, a lot of throwbacks. Some some jokes that were used in the first one. You're kind of given a little tribute from the mm-hmm. 1990 movie. Love also that. some jokes. You will... Well, you you will you will not hear him say it, but you will read him saying it because uh, the Shredder really only spoke maybe two words of English, which was kind of cool. But he does say tonight I dine on turtle soup. I like that. That was awesome. And also another good that I call a very good is I'm not a fan of Booyakasha, and there's some good old fashioned cowabunga. It was great fun. I absolutely love that. I actually kind of clapped to myself quietly. That like, would Yay. have to be like the best. Like of all the good, that's like that was that was for the me, best. For me, we that love was cowabunga. One of the best. We yeah. And and the pizza thing is definitely given a good play, and they even give it a funny. I like the reason and they, they gave had a reason. Re- yes, they gave a reason, reason for them loving pizza so much, and I did like that. I thought that was cute. Mm-hmm. So, but that is our review of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, you you might see it in the theater. I would maybe wait for a rental. I, I it was fun, but it may not be worth the the price you're going to pay to go to a theater. 
But, you know. Uh, if you're a fan, you'll want to go. Uh, if you're a fan, you're going to be a little disappointed. But if you have kids, take your kids along because they'll just have a ball. So it, it seemed like it was really aimed at the kids and not necessarily do little, little at the kids, fans. Though. Yeah, not the little, little kids. Because uh, <laughs> Splinter might be a little too scary for them. Uh, but overall, yeah, yeah, I think your kids are going to have a ball. But you, if you're a fan of the, the, the other ones, you might be disappointed and wish they could have done just a little bit better. All right, Lost Boys and Pixies, all you Neverlanders out there, we have like another really, really huge guest on here. And this is another one of those people that if you were walking down the street and passed right by them, you probably would have no idea who they were unless you actually stopped and spoke with them. Uh, of course, <laughs> this fella here, though, has done so many different voices that unless he did one of these characters, you still might not get it. Well, that is unless you're like me. And it's your... You never get it. <laughs> Never ever ever did it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but uh, unless you're, a bit, you know, I'm, I'm basically, I'm pulling in people from Adventures in Odyssey. And listeners, if you have not been listening to Adventures in Odyssey, I'm going to once again recommend it because that's the only voice I know of you've done where you sounded like yourself. But anyways, who we're talking about is Townsend Coleman. <laughs> it's me. Okay, it's me. It's me. Hi. <laughs> Jeremy, hey, yeah, you're right. Townsend Coleman here on this end, and you are on that end. Yes, once again, the internet connecting people from across the country. Ba-dum-bump. Ba-dum-bump. It's a wonderful thing. You know, that's the, it's the world that we live in, which uh, who'd have thought I'd ever been in this sort of thing back when I was born. And yeah, strange world we live in. But I, I, there is one thing I do want to verify, because there's something very cool you did, and we're going to definitely talk about that later, but I'm going to save that as a surprise for anyone who doesn't know who you are. All right. There's a couple, like, really big roles that were probably going to be, I think, the favorites of geeky people like me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and are also apparently the reason it looks like you were at Comic-Con this year. Mm-hmm. I was down there uh, just over the weekend, yeah. How many years have you gotten to go to Comic-Con? Oh, goodness. Uh, all together, maybe seven or eight now. I don't know. Um, yeah, I kind of lose track. Nowadays, <laughs> I pretty much, you know, because I've, I've done some panels down there. But, and nowadays, I pretty much go down uh, on uh, behalf of uh, New England Comics, who are the ones who, who published a comic called The Tick. And uh, a character that Ben Edlund had started back when he was a teenager in Boston a billion years ago. And, uh, well, not a billion. Uh, and, and so, yeah, and so there's still seems to be, you know, enough um, uh, interest in, in people, you know, kind of still wanting to see the tick, talk about the tick and stuff. And so they have me come down and I always have a blast, you know, just talking to fans and, you know, sitting in the booth and signing some autographs and, you know, just talking turkey, talking, uh, talking shop. So, yeah, and so I was there for that. And then also ended up being on, uh, a, a panel for um, the 30th anniversary of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because uh, Kevin Eastman started drawing those in 1984. And wow. uh, yeah, so I was uh, lucky enough to, to, to be on this panel with Kevin and a whole bunch of cats. And, and uh, it was moderated by a guy named uh, Andrew Farrago who has written this incredible book called The Ultimate Visual History of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He's the curator of the Cartoon Art Museum up in San Francisco. So, um, yeah, so he asked me to be on it. I got a chance to do that. That was fun. And I like that there. Yeah. 
Yeah, and well, that dropped two major hints for anybody who doesn't know who you are. They're probably searching right now. They're going to pause the podcast and search Google. <laughs> Wait a minute. This guy with the tick and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Wait a minute. You know. So, yeah. Yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. Yeah. It's like geek candy for people like me. <laughs> yeah, I get, I get it. It's a, it's a fun biz. What's that? At least if you grew up in my generation, we're very familiar. I think uh, some of the maybe the younger generation might be familiar with the take with Patrick Warburton, who uh, who did it well. Uh-huh. We'll give him some credit. I don't think he was. Well, like he sure did. He yeah, I mean, he did the live action version of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, killed it. Yeah, yeah, he did good, but he wasn't quite as much fun. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. You know, they're just uh, they're two different characters, even though they're the same character. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, doing a live action version of of the tick uh, was pretty ambitious and pretty funny. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, and I did the animated version for three seasons and had a blast doing that, you know. Oh, yeah, that show was hilarious. It really just turned everything, you know, because I'm a comic book reader, you know, still am okay. at 37. Uh, but it just turned everything on its head and kind of goofed on everything that I had loved and just I was rolling in the aisles the whole time. Well, thank you. Yeah, I had a blast doing it. And uh, the scripts were always so, you know, genius uh, and so fun just to read you know, as we were reading through the script and circling our lines, when we actually got a chance to get in the studio and do it, do it out loud, you know, it was, and, and actually, you know, say these wacky words, Arthur, you know, yes. I'm just, yep. <laughs> got, uh, in fact, I have, I have standing right next to me, my, my 16 inch talking tick doll action figure. Let's see what, he, let's see what he'll, he'll say now. Evil is a foot. I am but. Well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. That's officially now on my want list. I'm going to have to find a 16-inch talking tick figure now. They're hard to find. I mean, I think you can still find them on eBay. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's a a pretty fun fun, uh, action figure to have. You know, I always like the ones that I got to do where I got to talk for the, you know, for the figure and you push a button or something and hear me come out. You know, that's a... It's a little bit of a novelty, so. Yeah, those are always the more fun ones because those are the ones you get to keep and enjoy. Even as an adult, you can always have them. Uh, I actually, on my desk, I have a, a Stormtrooper and a Chewbacca little stand-up uh, that you push a button and you get a little yeah. something. Right. Yeah, I, I got a chance to do those, um, a couple for the Ninja Turtles as well. And one uh, for a show I did back in, I don't even remember when I did it. Uh, called Where's Waldo? <laughs> and, you know, it was based on the Where's Waldo books uh, by Martin Hanford. And and uh, Mattel actually made um, these great Where's Waldo um, action figure dolls, but they were big. I, again, I'm, I think bigger than this. They must have been probably 16, 18 inches tall. And and uh, but the crazy thing about these is they were they were talking ones. Waldo and his girlfriend Wenda each had a talking version. But the crazy thing about them is they didn't have chips in them. You know the the um, a digital chip mm-hmm. like like the tick here has. They actually had discs. Wow. Yeah, that you would just you know sort of slide in the back and and then push a button and and it would play whatever we said on those on the disc. Now, understand that, I, I mean, the, these these toys didn't sell very well. So uh, when I went to try and get one, there were none to be had. And I actually had to go down to Mattel uh, headquarters. And and they have a an, uh, uh, you know, on-site uh, toy store there. 
And I was able to f- finally score one down there, that uh, uh, Waldo and a Wenda one. And, um, but I didn't want to open it because it was the only one I had. You know, I mean, if I was able to get a couple of them, I, I would have opened it to you know, see how the thing works. But so I've never opened this. Uh, so I'm, I've always been curious what this thing sounds like and how these little <laughs> discs work in, in, in this talking Where's Waldo doll. Uh, maybe waldo will actually tell you where in the world he is anyway (laughs) i'm right here me and my dog woof (laughs) yeah i only vaguely remember the where's waldo cartoon i remember it coming on but it didn't seem to last very long no it was on uh gosh it must have been i think it was on cbs and i think we only did once you know i honestly don't even remember we might have done two seasons but uh yeah, it didn't last very long. You know, I did a bunch of shows like that that only lasted a year or two, you yeah. know. And there's that. And Pro Stars was the same. And Space Cats was the same. A lot of the, a lot of the shows that I did, uh, you know, um, Fraggle Rock, the same. was supposed to go two seasons, only went one. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's I, a lot of cartoons that seem like a really good idea. But then when you get it out there and you start watching, you're thinking, oh, hey, look, they made a cartoon of Waldo. And you're like, oh, this isn't quite as fun as it should have been. I'd rather read the book. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it actually ended up. I think was a was a fairly entertaining show for you know a certain audience, as, as all these were. It's one of the things that I love about this business is it almost doesn't matter whether the thing you know wasn't a commercial success or a rating success, and only lasted a year or two. You you end up finding somebody, especially now in the internet age, you know, when anybody can find anybody for anything um, and any information about anything they want. You always end up finding people who were fans of, you know, something that you did, even if it was just this tiny little thing that you did once. You find somebody who just says, I can't believe I'm talking to you. You were the guy who did the, da, 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 you know, <laughs> and uh, I'm like, yeah, you remember that? Yeah, I love that when I was growing up. That was crazy good, you know. Yeah, well, especially even being a part of Fraggle Rock, even you weren't, you know, the Muppets, you were the animated one. But still, it's mm-hmm. it kind of fits. Yeah, n- no kidding. I mean. That's the only show that I got to do uh, um, where I had to do a voice match. You know, I wasn't coming up sort of with my own character, but I actually had to try and match the guys who who did the uh, the Muppet version of it. And uh, I guess my understanding at the time was that they they didn't want to do the animated version, so they, you know, NBC, um, you know, was going to forge ahead with this thing anyway, and they, they so they cast voice matches, and I happened to match Gobo. Um, you know, pretty okay, and and another character, architect and wrench. So I did three characters on Fraggle Rock, and yeah, that was a really fun show to do. Got to go out to outer space and travel with my uncle, traveling Matt. Go exploring. And of still course, Wembley match. was always the worrier. I had to say, Wembley, your rock dust allergies all in your head. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching that because I, I loved Fraggle Rock, and when I, I found about the cartoon, I of course I was tuned in. I was there. Yeah. Uh, now, Wrench and Architect were they a couple of the doozers? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So is that one of the voices actually you did before the little little squeaky voice at the beginning? No, you know that that's just a silly little that that actually sort of uh, you know that was just a drunk. <laughs> It was, I, I, I had this great gig. I used to do a lot of uh, com- TV commercials as well. And, and one of the best accounts I ever had uh, years ago was, I don't know if you remember, but 7-Up had this little red spot uh, who, you know, wore sunglasses and, mm-hmm. and, you know, used to run around, you know, getting into all kinds of trouble. 
and um and the character's name was Spot. <laughs> yep. And uh and I ended up getting cast as the voice of Spot and the crazy thing about it was that it was just gibberish, you know, <laughs> that and but they we be built we did a couple of sessions where I built a big they built a big library of me just, you know, you know, improvising stuff in different you know, scenarios, he's falling off a cliff, he's climbing upstairs, he's, you know, walking through a door and, you know, tripping over and falling, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and um, you know, it was all, <laughs> you know, I actually that, remember having a little plastic uh, bendable figure of, of Spot. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I mean, and the, not only there were the commercials, but we, they did a video game. With spot too, you know, it was crazy. So, yeah, so that that's sort of where that came from. <laughs> I I kind of remember there was a game. I don't think I ever played it though. Yeah, it was an arcade game, <laughs> literally in the arcade. I, and there may have been a home version of it too. I don't recall, but but yeah, you know, you you go into you know your favorite uh, you know beer joint and there's a Seven Up game. What <laughs> weird. Very weird. That's something that's kind of missing these days. You don't like in the eighties. Uh, about every product had some sort of a funny little character running around from you know the Noid over at Domino's, and then all the cereals had a, had a cartoon character. And nowadays, it seems that's kind of gone by the wayside. And mainly, I guess because all the parents were concerned about, oh, you're advertising sugar. Well, your kid's going to eat sugar whether you want them to advertise it or not. Uh, so, right. It's certainly not to say that that, that, that there's not tie-in marketing with toys because there is it's bigger than ever i mean you look at the ninja turtles you look at any of them any of these any movies that are coming out now they've all got action you go to toys r us and they're action figures for all of it oh yeah one of them you know it was great because uh, this panel that i did on saturday for the 30th anniversary of uh ninja turtles one of the guys on the panel was a, a guy from playmates toys and i you know i just think that that's fascinating because uh, it was fascinating for me because um you know, thinking about the relationship, you know, between the 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 on air properties and then the toy companies, you know, and how they they you know are are are, are so tightly you know woven together. It's like Hasbro and and all their toys with you know Transformers and mm-hmm. and uh, what My Little Pony and uh, they got a they got a million of them. Um, it seems, but uh, yeah, it's, I mean uh, the you know the the toy marketing going hand in hand with with uh you know the hot properties you know all the 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 movies and the the TV shows that are coming out these days yeah strong ever pretty much in the 80s about every cartoon we had was actually like a toy commercial for a while but we loved every minute of it certainly was you know i mean i, I remember back when I, you know, I was doing uh um transformers back in the early days the generation 1 and you know, there's sort of a, and I have friends who are on GI Joe, and you know, all, all these other sort of boy action toy oriented um, uh, cartoons, and we would joke saying, you know, you know, how's your, how's your toy selling? Because it, it seemed that if the toy didn't sell well, and they discontinued the to- the toy company discontinued the toy, then your character would end up vanishing as well from the cartoon. You know, they they kill off your character somehow. So you're always just, you know, hoping, hoping beyond hope that your toy was, you know, flying off the shelves at Toys R Us. Yeah. Yeah, and I see on Transformers you were a character called Rewind. I don't even remember Rewind. You know what? I barely remember Rewind myself. You know, uh, I I just remember he – oh, 
I mean, I'd have to hear it again. He was very studious, as I recall, very sort of officious and, and studious. He's a small character, and I, I didn't do that many episodes. Um, yeah, I only see a couple here. Yeah. I don't even remember what he would have turned into. I've probably seen it because well, the Hub like, Network picked it up. Yeah, he had, had the uh, um, cassette tape you know, in his like chest or stomach mm-hmm. or something like that. So maybe he was supposed to be like a cassette recorder because I remember. I remember. Uh, yeah, well, that's what it was. Yeah, you had. Uh, oh golly, I want to call him Shockwave, and that's not the right one. A Soundwave, the Decepticon, okay. who was a radio, and then I actually have uh, here on my shelf. I actually had a garage sale found. Uh, I believe his name was Boomer. He was a, a, a ghetto blaster or a boombox. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's sure. only Transformer I actually own. <laughs> Funny you, met, you mentioned the hub because Transformers are on the hub, but I do a lot of – most of my work nowadays is, is I do promos, I voice promos. and uh, was the uh, comedy voice at NBC for 16 years. Uh, wow. Starting in 93, yeah, with a, a thing they called Must See TV. Huh. And uh, so I voiced all those promos up until 2009. And, uh, and then also the promos for Jay Leno for The Tonight Show every night. Cool. For 16 years, yeah. Um, and then they let me go. Now I'm over at ABC and uh, ABC Family and uh, Judge Judy, but I also do a ton of stuff for The Hub. So uh, it's it's crazy for me that I get to advertise, you know, and push and pump uh, through promo. Uh, some of the shows that I used to do were certainly shows <laughs> that, you know, a bunch of, you know, my compadres and friends are on. So um, it's a blast. Which that begs just a crazy question. I'm going to throw in there. So, when you first did you get to do the promos for the Aquabat Super Show? I did. I did all those. Have you the ever heard of them before? Super Show. Yeah. <laughs> that the, I I'm hoping I can get a chance to actually talk to them on my show because I just love the Aquabats. I, I was so oh, yeah. happy when they had their TV show. Yeah, I've been listening to their so, music for years. They're so much fun. Yeah, hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah, had those, you heard of them before you had done the promo? I'm sorry. Had you heard had you heard of them before the promo? Yeah, I'd heard of them. Yeah, I wasn't that familiar with them, but I I knew who they were. Um, but yeah, I you know got to do some very crazy stuff for the Aquabats, the Aquabat Super Show, <laughs> <laughs> which is fantastic. I just wish that they were making new episodes. It looks like that show has kind of already went by the wayside. I guess maybe uh-huh. they were just too wacky for some people. Yep. Like, <laughs> Uh, here's just a kind of a random thing that I had found when I was looking actually on IMDb, the, okay. the Teen Wolf TV series, the animated one, you were Scott Howard. I was Scott Howard, Teen Wolf. Yep. So how did you manage to figure out that you could sound like Michael J. Fox? I, I didn't sound like Michael J. Fox. They didn't want that. Huh. Uh, they wanted a, a young sort of guileless sound, uh, that was Michael J. Fox ish, but they didn't want a sound alike at all, which is just as well because... I can't do a sound like for Michael. <laughs> I'm a terrible mimic, and and it's certainly not an impressionist by any stretch of the imagination. You know, you you got plenty of guys in this business who do that and are brilliant at it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's not me. But I was lucky enough to get cast in this, you know, because they were just looking for a young, you know, just a a young sound. So, and that was a great show to work on. That was a lot of fun. It was Gene, fun to but, watch too. <laughs> yeah, uh, June Foray uh, played my grandmother in that. Oh, and I know who that is. I know, I know. Um, oh, Rock, think. Rocket J Squirrel. Rocket, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and Natasha, and uh, I mean, just countless, countless. I mean, she's like the the queen of a- animation. Yeah, magic and no. dispel on Ducktales. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, June, another great June, show. She's she's great. She's 
she's still alive and kicking. She's she's getting around too. It's great to see her at you know some of these events and stuff. But uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, that and that was one not my first cartoon for sure, but but one of the early ones. I think we did that back in eighty. Five, 86. Six? Yeah, 86. That's what MDB says anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 86, Yeah. Donnie Most worked on that from Happy Days and uh, yeah. played Styles. Yeah. <laughs> was, that, was a, that was a lot of fun, that show. Yeah, that was one of those things you didn't expect to actually see a cartoon of and everything, but that movie just had caught on, I guess, so well, which mm-hmm. I, I don't remember even hearing about the movie till it was on video, and my parents rented it, and we sat and watched it, and I said, this is great. Right, yeah. So. It was a lot of fun. And it's, uh, again, one of those shows that uh, th- that I did where I – I just, I just had to be me. You know, it's like people say, well, do the voice. What did you do? And I just, well, it was just, it was just me talking, you know, except a little younger and, you know, a little higher in my register, uh, you know, it's, oh, gee, boof, you know, come on, Styles, yeah, that kind of thing. But not unlike w- what I did for Waldo or, uh, or, or, or Adventures in Odyssey for that matter. Yeah. You know, Jason on, Jason Whitaker on Ad- Adventures in Odyssey is, Pretty much just me, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, just talking. So, yeah, which is probably one. Probably, I would say probably one of the cooler characters you've done. You know, J- Jason's always you know getting into scraps or things and having mm-hmm. adventures. Uh, I think last time he showed up on the show was during the Green Ring conspiracy. I think, mm-hmm. which you know, every, every time you, you hear Jason going in there, you know, there's going to be some fun. Which, yeah. Once again, listeners, if you've not heard of this show, you need to go check it out. Oh, it's fabulous! I, I, you know, it's 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 one of the high, real, really true highlights of my career. You know, to have been working with these uh, folks from Focus, and uh, it, you know, I, I mean, I've been doing the show now. I think for nineteen years, and uh, I've got another session coming up uh, a week from today, next oh. Tuesday. Yeah, so so we can expect some more adventures from Jason mm-hmm. then. Yeah, he keeps popping up, you know, every now and then. Yeah. I don't their plans are for, you know, sort of weaving him in uh, any further than they already have, but uh I yeah, I just I love any chance I get to uh head over to Salami Studios in North Hollywood and uh, and record these episodes. They're the best people to work with and for. Yeah. Will like you said, Will Ryan and mm-hmm. uh, and uh Katie Lee and Jess Harnell and you know, Paul McCusker and uh Nathan Hubler now, uh, just so many, so many just wonderful people uh, that you know are responsible for that show. Phil Lawler, uh, of course, created it, but um, yeah, Mm-mm-mm. and it's been going for. Uh, I think Katie Lee said it's been going for over twenty five years now. Twenty five years, yeah. Dave Arnold over there's the 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 master producer of of the thing, and uh, yeah, and one of the wonderful things about working on the show is not only is it, is, is it a great solid show, you know, that just uh, every every episode is, uh, you know, they're 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 so wanting to you know put put forward really good values and 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 being able to give some really solid entertainment or, or some solid uh, uh, meat of you know sort of spiritual food, but in an entertaining way, yeah. you know. Without clubbing anybody over the head with it, but you know, putting something really, really solid and positive and and uh, and, and good out there, and so I've always loved that about this about this show, and and have loved being a part of it. Another thing that's great about it is is getting to work with so many of the amazing people that they hire to come in and do these episodes. You know, mm-hmm. um, worked with some great great people over the years. You know, Dave Madden, of course, is. Not with us any longer, but uh, he was wonderful. And Corey Burton always loved seeing him when 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 they bring him in. And it's so amazing. 
Yeah, and I believe Disney fans would be familiar with Corey Burton as well. I think he's oh. done some work with Disney. Yeah, only a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. he's voiced some actually voices in Disneyland, I think. Yeah, yeah. oh, I don't so, doubt yeah. it. I'm sure he has, yeah. Uh, Corey is great and prolific, you know, as are so many of the, the folks in this business. I mean, they all are, yeah. uh, you know. And even uh, I don't know if he how I think he's only done maybe one or two episodes, but I know Peter Renaday, who is another he's, he's pretty <laughs> much a Disney legend at this point. He was like the original voice of the ghost host in the Haunted Mansion recording from 1969 when that they recorded a story with Ron Howard and a girlfriend getting lost in the Haunted Mansion. Uh, right. And then he's also voicing the Country Bears and everything, and so he's very recognizable. And you've worked with him on another show that we're going to definitely talk about. Absolutely, yeah. <coughs> Oh, pardon me. Gesundheit. Or That's why something I have like editing that. software. So when I cough, if it picks up, I can edit it out. Nice. So uh, here's just a, a weird thing I got to jump into just because uh, there's a movie of this actually on the way as well. But it says that you actually did about three characters on Gem. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, three characters? Uh, yeah, maybe so. You know, back in those days, they, uh, the way the contracts were written with uh, Screen Actors Guild. Um, was the production company was able to uh, get three characters out of you, three voices from you, for the price of one. I mean, for one contract. Mm -hmm. You know, so it wasn't it wasn't uh, unusual for all of us to be doubling up on characters and doing as as many as three. And if they gave you more than three, uh, you know, four, uh, then they'd have to pay you another contract. So you'd be getting paid double. For that episode, if you know, so they tried like crazy to avoid that, so they spread the voices around so everybody had you know three or less. But, um, yeah, so it's it's possible that I did other characters on Gem, I just don't recall the one that I remember is Riot, it was the yeah, was the character that I played, yeah, he was the lead singer in the Stingers. Uh, his name was Rory Llewellyn, and uh, yeah, his stage name was Riot. So then that was, again, the, a fun character to do. And, you know, again, this is sort of what I was talking about earlier is, um, you know, <clears throat> I didn't do that many episodes of, of this show. But uh, Riot, uh, you know, seemed to have been pretty popular um, to the point where there is actually a convention of gem fans called GemCon. And uh, it's going to be happening in September in Toronto this year. And I think it's going to be in Philadelphia next year. And, you know, but it's just these diehard gem fans that love, love the show and love the characters. And I, I got to go do a, uh, a collector's convention uh, appearance back in February in Toronto. And the folks from GemCon, it wasn't for Gem, GemCon, but the folks that put on GemCon came and saw me at this convention and were kind enough to give me this uh, incredible – I can't call it an action figure. I mean, it really is a doll, but it's not a <laughs> doll in the sense that you think of like, you know, a, a doll. This this thing uh, uh, um, is a doll, an action doll, I'll call it, <laughs> sure. of, of Riot. And, you know, and it's just the detail on this thing and the accessories that come with it. And, you know, it's all the way it's all boxed up and packaged. It's just incredible. So they were really kind and gave me this uh, a great gift. And... um you know, it's just, a, again, an example of, you know, some of the, the really amazing fans that are out there of these particular shows. Uh, and they're just diehard. And they're the sweetest people on the planet. They really are. I just, I love going to these conventions and talking to, you know, to folks who are, are fans of uh, shows that I've been on and work that I've done. Because um, they're all just so sweet and, and so, um, 
just down to earth and and real and appreciative and it's just that it makes me feel so blessed and so lucky and thankful you know yeah so, and it's good to, to keep that because there are people who they get to well yes that was a role i did a long time ago why are you still talking about that and yeah it's i got to keep that thankful attitude like i got to be part of something that is so special to these people that exactly amen thank you for saying that because i i've never understood that attitude you know how, yeah. how how people you know sort of get curmudgeonly about something that they probably made a you know good deal of money off of yeah. you know and gave them a you know a fair amount of notoriety or fame and and um, and yet they i don't somehow they forget that or didn't see it to begin with i, I don't i don't know but yeah. i've never understood it you know i just uh, i'm just so thankful for you know everything that i've gotten to do in this business i mean i moved out here 30 years ago and and really with no I no um, idea that I was going to end up doing voiceover uh, and certainly cartoons and stuff is just not, was not in my, my, my mind or my plans. When I moved out here, I came out here to act as I was doing a lot of acting back in Cleveland and uh, was all, but was also on the radio for 10 years as a DJ and, uh, <laughs> but did a lot of, I mean, did modeling, I did TV, did a lot of uh, live theater and musicals. Uh, you know, I sort of tried to do, Anything in the entertainment industry that I could in Cleveland, and then um, in in 1984, uh, just through a set of circumstances, found myself uh, having to move out of the house that we were living in, and uh, it was, that we we'd been renting, and it was being sold, and so we needed to find a place to live by September because I had uh, three young kids that we needed to get into school, and I thought, you know what, I've just quit this radio career. I'm just planning on doing uh, voiceover freelancing here in Cleveland. I. I I think it's time to move and either New York or LA and LA ended up sort of getting the toss of the coin. And uh, so I came out here right after the Olympics, looked around for a place to, to live, found a little place to rent. And two weeks later we were living here. I mean, it happened that fast, but I came out to, to act knowing that I could probably do a little voiceover to make ends meet in the meantime, because I had done so much of that back in Ohio, um, but never planned on it sort of mushrooming into being my entire career, you know, to the point where after a year or two, I even gave up just pursuing the whole acting thing altogether, you know, and concentrated on just doing commercials and, uh, and animation. And uh, eventually in 93, like I said, when I started at NBC doing promos. So, you know, I had these three legs of this um, career going that, that were sort of firing on all cylinders and boy, was I lucky. And, uh, and and fortunate and blessed. Yeah. You know? Really, yeah. I even saw a fun little uh, trivia detail. If this is correct, it says that you actually had an appearance on the game show Password Plus. <laughs> oh, does it say Password Plus? Was that? No, no, no. It, I was on, uh, it was a Super Password. Super Password. Oh, okay. I don't know. Maybe I remember being on Super Password. Maybe it was Password Plus. I don't know. You know, it was one of the very first things I did. And it was, uh, and it was um, that's actually where I met Cam Clark. Cam ended up being a, con- a contestant. Oh, goodness. You're going to have to forgive me here. Hold on just a second. I have a pause button. Okay. Oh, I did notice one thing, though. Uh, you mentioned that Riot was also Rory Llewellyn. That's actually how I thought you had three characters on Gem is there's uh, Riot, Rory Llewellyn, and then slash Cisco. So that's so you probably were only two characters unless Cisco was another nickname for Rory Llewellyn. No, he wasn't. He was another character, and I don't remember – I don't remember what character he was, but for some reason I'm wanting to say that that wasn't me. That was somebody else did Cisco. Although, you know, it could have been me. I, I, I got to be honest, you know, especially in those early days, like people, when people ask me about, 
you know, characters that I did on, on, uh, like Ninja Turtles, you know, and, and aside from, you know, so the, the, the main guy I did, it was, they were all incidentals. And he's just like, weren't you like, um, weren't you muck man or weren't you, and, and I'm going, Oh man, you know, I, <laughs> I, w- I wish I could remember, but I, I, I just don't, you know, so I'm going to trust you. Maybe it was me, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah, that is one thing. And we'll just jump right to it because I guess we've already talked a little bit about being the tick, which was one of the big things that was awesome. Indeed. Well, Thank you. And don't count your weasels before they pop, dink. <laughs> Always had some of the best lines in that. Especially, I loved the battle cry for the tick. Ooh, spoon! And the funny thing is, is I will quote that at various times, and people will look at me like, Spoon, what's about a spoon? I was like, didn't you watch The Tick? I can't believe. <laughs> so, But yeah, so probably one of the other or the biggest thing that anyone's going to recognize you from, and you've mentioned this series many times, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original 80s series. I remember that, yes. Yes. In fact, with the 30th anniversary, it's got, you know, in a new movie, you know, it's got to be forefront on your mind here lately. You're getting to go to more Comic-Cons about this. and Yeah, indeed. It's back and it's popular again, which mainly I think is due to the the new Nickelodeon series. Is actually they've sure. done a very good job of it. Yep, for sure. Yeah, it's huge because of that uh, the new Nick series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm so happy to see them back because I, I kind of grew up with it, and of course it was huge for everybody. Now, when you were first hearing about the show and you were going to go audition, did what was, what was your impression of you know was it, was it like this is the weirdest thing I've ever heard of? They're turtles. Yes, indeed. Uh, we were doing Fraggle Rock at the time, and the guy who was uh, directing. Uh, the voice uh, sessions for Fraggle Rock was also going to be casting and directing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And we didn't know about this, but one day he walks into a session and uh, opens his bag and pulls out a TMNT uh, comic book and says, hey, you guys, I got to show you what I'm going to be directing next. Look at this project. And he pulls out the comic book and we look at it and we're all like, what? (laughs) Are you kidding? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. When the world thought of that, yeah, it just seemed like the, you know, the nuttiest concept. And you got to remember that this is back in the days of, you know, My Little Pony and Strawberry Shortcake and, uh, you know, shows like that. For something like, you know, we were working on Fraggle Rock and that seemed pretty sort of edgy at the time. Um, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the whole the whole notion, even just the title was, uh, we thought, thought that's just so out there. Uh, it's never going to take off. Um, but he, you know, he brought a couple of us in and, and we auditioned for it. Rob Paulson was working on Fraggle Rock, uh, at the time also. Um, he was a boober, uh, Marjorie, the trash heap and bunches of other characters as he always is. He's brilliant. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, and I was doing Gobo on that. And, and so Robbie and I both got a chance to come in and audition for Ninja Turtles and we're lucky enough to get cast and, uh, you know, we went and did those uh, first five episodes as a little miniseries pilot, and that aired and got, um, you know, really well received. And and so um, it went to series, and then the thing just took off. We ended up doing 10 seasons of it. Yeah, it lasted a lot longer than I would have thought. I remember when I first saw it, it was uh, early on, a, it was during the summer, and it was early morning, and I was usually up early enough to watch all my cartoons, and uh, normally at 8 o'clock is when Silverhawks come on, which was one of my favorite shows, and then all, right. all of a sudden, here comes Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I was sitting there going, what is what is this? Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah, yeah. a very bizarre thing. Yeah. Well, they were, they were you know, as was with The Tick. They were really fun scripts to do, yeah. and uh, you know, again, so well written. Uh, you know, David Wise, a brilliant uh, 
writer, you know, wrote so many of those and, and, um, and the pilot. And, uh, and so we had a great, you know, great fun doing that, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I feel like I sort of got to introduce, uh, you know, the word cowabunga into the popular, popular <laughs> lexicon of the, of the time, you know, so. Yeah. Cause in fact, uh, we haven't said who your major character was yet. So who was your major character? I was Shredder and, uh, <laughs> No, I wasn't. Sure. <laughs> uh, that was James Avery, of course. God bless his soul. Um, he passed away back at the end of the year last year. Yeah, I actually did um, a tribute show for uh, for him as well. Back oh at, gosh, think, what a heart, you know, what a heartbreak that was because he was going to come and do some of these uh, appearances with us that we're doing this year for the thirtieth oh. anniversary. And um, yeah, then that happened. But yeah, no, um, I was lucky enough to get cast as Michelangelo. Cowabunga, dude! Like it's totally bodacious. <laughs> Whoa! Cowabunga! And you still got it. <laughs> well, I sure do try to keep it at least a little bit. If not it, pizza. <laughs> still eating my, I'm still chowing down, still scarfing down on my anchovy and hot fudge pizza. <laughs> so now how did you end up coming up with a, a California surfer dude for a turtle that grew up in New York City? Well, it's because that's what they were asking for, you know, in the description of the of the of the character. You know, when, when you go to audition for a, a animated show, they always give you, you know, a picture of the character, a little description of the character and then some sample lines that the character will read and uh, or that you'll read as the character. So, yeah. So in the description, um, they were, as I recall, were looking for, you know, sort of a, a you know, kind of California surfer dude. Uh, kind of thing, and the only thing that I could think of was um, was uh, Sean Penn's character in you know Spicoli in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, <laughs> you know, and, and so I sort of it kind of drew upon that, and and had some other friends who who did you know it sort of it's back in the days when the Valley Girl was uh, you know sort of a big thing, and, yeah, you know, so there's sort of a subset of that you know sort of the Valley guy, you know, the sort of the surfer, you know, kind of. Uh, yeah, it's a sort of, you know, kind of a little burnout and a little like super laid back and kind of, you know, thing. And, um, so that, you know, that's, that's where I, I went with it and, uh, you know, uh, got, you know, got lucky and grabbed that gold ring. And, you know, actually when we went to do our first, um, episode, they had not actually decided at the time whether I was going to be Michelangelo or Leonardo and same with Cam, Wow. Uh, Cam Clark, whether he was going to be Leonardo or Michelangelo. And they were going to try us both at that first session and then make up their minds which way they wanted to go. Um, but they knew that Rob was going to be Raphael and they knew that uh, uh, Barry uh, Gordon was going to be Donatello. So we did that first uh, session, did the first read through, and the director, Stu Rosen, said, uh, you know, Tony, why don't you go ahead and uh, just do Michelangelo first? And then after the first read through, we'll do another read through and we'll switch and we'll have Cam do. Michelangelo and you'll do Leonardo. Right, great. Okay. So I did that and we got to the end of that uh, read through. And, and then at the, at the end of that, I, you know, I couldn't tell you what it was, but there was something that was, uh, you know, going on that they were much more concerned about in terms of, you know, getting this, this, getting through this first recording session that they, when we went ahead and did the second read through, they just didn't bother having a switch back. <laughs> you know, or, or, or switch to, to begin with um, and have me do Leonardo and, and Cam do Michelangelo. Uh, they just, uh, you know, we did a second read through and they just kept the characters as they were in the first one. So I did Michelangelo again and Cam did Leonardo again. And that's the way it stayed for the entire series. <laughs> you know, just, 
you know, never got a chance to, you know, switch and try it the other way. But yeah. No, so, I'm but I, you know, I, I was I was very lucky to to have have nabbed that guy, that character, yeah, uh, for for ten seasons. I mean, I'd talk about a blessing. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering how Cam Clark sounded as Michelangelo now. <laughs> Cam would have made a great uh, Michelangelo. He does this great, great surfer, you know, thing. Great surfer, Back, better than me, you know. I mean, Cam grew up out here, uh, uh, so he was well acquainted with. <laughs> and he, here, I had you know only come from Cleveland, Ohio, where there weren't a lot of surfers <laughs> up in Lake Erie. Um, only you know two years prior, so um, yeah, so Cam, Cam would have been great. Yeah, I I always recognize his voice now. He pops up in a lot of video games these days. Even mm, Cam's uh, doing a lot of video games. World of Warcraft. He's <laughs> he's a voice of an elf, and I usually play an elf character. And it's just funny hearing his voice with this great vanity thing that he's got going on. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, so, Cam's gosh, great. Just a lot of great talent actually in that show because you mentioned already Rob Polson, who is actually back now as Donatello, mm-hmm. which in the new series. This this actually leads to an interesting question. So, if you'd have gotten a call to come back for the new Nickelodeon series, which turtle would you have rather would you have liked to have played if not doing Michelangelo again? Oh, it would have made no never mind to me. You know, I actually auditioned for Raphael. Yeah, uh, yeah they, I guess they had cast somebody and that didn't work out, and so they were recasting, and I got a chance to get called in for that that second round. And it just happened to be a bad day for me um, for a lot of reasons. And so I went into this audition not not really fully there and uh, feeling already a bit rattled and ended up not, not giving my, my, my best performance for sure. And uh, so I obviously didn't get cast. And, you know, it would have been – I mean, I was bummed, but, you know, it would have been a, a great fun show to do. Um, but it's great hearing Rob on it, you know, yeah. and they have such a solid cast – and now I saw them down at uh, Comic Con, you know, and you got Seth Green on it now, um, you know, and Sean Astin and mm-hmm. Greg Sipes uh, doing a great Michelangelo. Uh, you know, he is he so is that character, <laughs> and then and Robbie's doing Donatello, and and again he's killing it. You know? Yeah, he is killing it. That's that's yeah. he's just nailed it. It's just it's almost like watching the old eighties show again. It's like yeah. all the characters are kind of bad. Yeah, you totally and you totally buy it. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's so fun, and I'm 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 thrilled that. Uh, a Nick brought the uh, brought it back and, and has and bought the property. You know, I mean, they, they own the whole Ninja Turtles property now. Uh, at, at least as far as, um, gosh, I'm maybe saying something I don't know anything about. <laughs> yeah, I, they, I know they bought the property, but they they obviously didn't buy the the toys. You know, Playmates are right. still putting out the toys. And I do but, have uh, a set of those on my wall of the new toys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> But uh, so so glad that they brought it back, and it's doing so well. You know, we we got this really wonderful opportunity a, a month or two ago to go down to the Nickelodeon Hotel in Orlando, do an appearance down there, and uh, talk to fans down there, and watch the first five episodes, that first five part miniseries we did. Um, we got to watch it, you know, with with an audience, with the fans, and uh, it was fascinating. You know, so Nickelodeon's really really doing a a, a gangbuster job getting this thing. You know, cranked up and giving it brand new life. Yeah, and, uh, boy, I tell you, their 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 um, panels down at Comic Con were just enormous and hugely popular. Um, they're hilarious. Greg Sipes singing his his crazy songs and stuff. It's a good cast and a good show. Yeah, yeah. and getting some big name talent to have Sean Astin in there as Raphael yep. has been fantastic. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Yeah, I'm now with Seth Green. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I think my wife is the only one that I know of that would have a complaint, and I, I think she just feels poor Michelangelo is always getting picked on in the, <laughs> in the new series. Yeah, well, yeah, th- that's Mikey. Yeah. You know? Yeah, sure. But that's why we love him, because he says such crazy things, and he's yeah. just fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, the guy voicing him now is just, he, he's brought a, kind of that almost an innocent quality back out to him, and it's where he's naming all the different characters and stuff. So right. he. He's really going to endure that character, Justin. But you're, of course, responsible for really getting that character. I think in everybody's heads on on how much fun. Well, at least of my generation, you know. Yeah, well, sure. Remember that. You know, sure. You know, each generation has their own thing, and you know, this generation is lucky enough to have you know the the Ninja Turtles that that Nick's putting out right now. And mm-hmm. like I said, I you know we were all lucky enough to be on on the first one back in the eighties and nineties. You know, so um, certainly no sour grapes on my part. I, I'm <laughs> see this thing. You know, still flying the way it is. You know, and 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 you've got to give huge props too to Ciro Nielli, who who it, it, it was and is a huge Ninja Turtles fan to begin with. Um, you know, for b- executive producing this show and and really steering it in the direction that it's gone and and uh, sort of forging it and focusing it uh, in the way he has. It's it's just really fascinating to see uh, to me. So, so how, good stuff. How much- did the work change though when you're doing the original series? Because it almost seemed at some point like the show was kind of winding down. Where I, I've, it seemed like you were always getting repeats there for a while, and then all of a sudden we found out about the the first live action movie, and mm-hmm. that got on so huge. So did, was the series maybe about to fade out, and then suddenly they realized, oh my gosh, wait, we got to keep going. This is now popular again. I don't know. I can't answer that because uh, I if 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 that did happen, I was never aware of it. Um, I, yeah, I had no sense that, that that was the case. Uh, we just kept getting called back, you know, sort of season after season after season. And toward the end, I mean, you know, along around season eight or nine, we could sort of sense that, you know, they were kind of reaching to, to steer it in some direction, give it some new life, pump some new blood into it. Um, you know, with the characters and the way they were going with it. And so I kind of got a sense that, well, it's, you know, Maybe doesn't have legs forever, and yeah. it you know. changed a lot when CBS picked it up and started airing the Saturday morning version. Which it was still fun, but it just, after a while, it kind of got to where they were. I, you really could tell they were stretching in different directions that it wasn't as much fun as it had been. <laughs> yeah, and then it went back to syndication too, and you know, so yeah, so uh, toward the end of the series, yeah, there was a sense I think that we all had that it looked like maybe you know they were they were starting to run out of steam a little bit, but yeah. But yeah, not in the beginning. It seemed like it would just was a roller, uh, you know, a roller coaster, a, st- a steamroller, uh, you know, that just was, you know, going downhill with no brakes. So what what was the first thought that went through your head when you found out about the first live action movie after having worked on it all this time? Well, I, as I recall, it came out a, a, around our third season or so. Yeah, nineteen ninety. Yeah, nineteen ninety. Yeah, right. So uh, third season, I guess. So and and uh, you know we've been on, on the air long enough, and we're popular enough uh, in the kind of collective you know, conscience of uh, the you know kids of the day, and and so I, I know that my my first thought was oh well live action they're obviously going to have to have guys in suits, so they're going to have to have voices. Added, you know, and obviously they're going to use us because we are the Ninja Turtles. There aren't any others, you know, and they'd be crazy not to use us. So I think the assumption was certainly my assumption and <laughs> turned out to be a bad one. Um, but my assumption was that they were going to use us uh, for the voices. Um, 
and you know, sort of when it got uh, kind of closer and closer and closer to the release of this feature, and you know, we'd never gotten none of our agents had ever gotten a call, and you know, nothing about being involved in this project. And then we read that, you know, who the voices were. Uh, yeah, we have was a downer, man. Total downer. It was a, it was, it was a bummer. Um, you know, but uh, you, you roll with it. You, yeah. you know, you sort of in 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 showbiz, you know that there's going to be that kind of thing going on, and nothing's guaranteed. And you just be thankful for you know your lucky stars and the and the stuff that you've already got or have already had. And um, you know, and I just figure if you stop being grateful and you start being greedy. Um, uh, you know, about what you don't have and, and looking at everybody else and, and start getting sour about it. Uh, it's not helpful. You know, it's just, it's not helpful to anybody. So, yeah. although I got to say, Corey Feldman as Donatello just didn't sound right. Although he did a good <laughs> job. He didn't, he didn't have the same quality. The guy that they use in the second movie actually made me think more of Donatello, the way, the quality of how he voiced him. But, Corey yeah. Feldman, just, his voice doesn't sound like I'm the tech guy. Right. Yeah, well, you know, I think a, a lot of people have their opinions about all of that, sort of all along the, the entire timeline of Ninja Turtles in the past 12, 25 years or so, 26 years, um, that there have been voices to the Ninja Turtles. Um, you know, everybody's got a bone to pick with, you know, some of the choices. But uh, – you know, there there have been a, a lot of Donatellos and a lot of Michelangelos and a lot of Raphaels and a lot of Leonardos. Um, you know, so and most I'll of just, them are good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of most of them have worked. You mm-hmm. know, for what they were doing. Yeah. Yep. And Michelangelo, I think, is the character that seems to have changed the most, with yet still keeping the same charm that he's always had, but always slightly, they always seem to do a slightly different take yeah. on how they want to voice him. Yeah. Yeah. That's always yeah. fun. Yeah, somebody said to me down at Comic Con that it would. It, uh, we were talking, and uh, and he said, uh, he says, so did you have anything to do with with the movie that's coming out in a couple weeks? And I said, no, the Michael Bay one. Um, no, I mean I haven't had anything to do with any anything Ninja Turtles other than the series that I did, you know, for those t- ten seasons. Um, and he said, gosh, I, I don't understand that. I mean, not as one of the voices, but it would have been hilarious, like, to, you know, pull you in, uh, you know, as an ancillary character or, a, <laughs> you know, a, uh, you know, a, a, a waiter in, in a restaurant or, yeah. or something, you know, just as like a little Easter egg. And I thought that would have been hilarious. That would have been fun to do. Yeah. Um, but nope, they didn't think about that. Or if they did, they didn't ask me, you know. Yeah, well, maybe if they if this goes off well, then they, you know they'll probably make another one. Michael Bay seems to have that sort of luck where he always gets a licensed product. He can make a terrible movie of it, but it'll go well <laughs> enough because all of us that love the the property will go to it anyway. Right. I don't well, have high hopes for the new movie, but I am going to, of course. And by the time people are hearing this, they will have already heard me review the movie because I'm going to put the review on and then straight to this. Oh, cool. Good. All Hopefully right. Hopefully I will have found something to like about it because <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm like, please don't destroy. I love these characters. Yeah, and a lot of people feel that way. Mm-hmm. And it's been pretty controversial ever since the, you know, the movie was announced. But, you know, I have a feeling it's going to be good. I, I, I think that there's going to be something to like in it. And, and it, it might take you know, some people by surprise. Yeah, I hope so. I want to be surprised all over the place. Yeah. I do and, love know, their he, casting for Splinter, though. <laughs> what's that? I do love their casting for Splinter. And, and who was that? 
Oh, uh, his name just went up my brain, but I always I always want to call him Monk anymore because um, he played Adrian Monk on the series Monk for a long time. He was oh, on, but Tony uh, Shalhoub. Yes, you're right. Yes. Uh, it's Tony Shalhoub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew because I knew that I knew who was Splinter, but then I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't yeah. remember. But I yes. always lose his. I, I I forget his name over all the fun characters he's played. That I was so right. happy when right. I heard that he was being cast. Oh, voice oh my Splinter. gosh, he's going to be fabulous. Yeah. yeah. He'll kill it. Even if the rest of the cast doesn't quite have it, the yep. Splinter is going to be awesome. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Which actually ties in. I almost forgot, like, as I had mentioned Peter Renaday before, who was, I've heard him do some adventures in Odyssey, and he's kind of a Disney legend, but mm-hmm. he was the voice of Splinter on the original series, which was fantastic. Certainly was, and brilliant at it. Master Splinter, yes. Yeah, so I'm hoping to one day have him on here, but he's like almost like legendary in Disney circles, so I'm going to like try to go through some Disney connections, and we'll just see if one day, if we have him on the Never Name podcast, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, Peter's a, a sweetheart. He's he's such a great guy. And, you know, he does a lot of local theater um, around town. Um, I'm just starting to get back into theater myself, and so I've he's come to uh, some of the plays that I've been doing in the last year, and, and uh, yeah, I hope to get uh, out to see the next one he's in, so... But boy, he's such a great guy. Yeah, theater's always fun. I haven't done theater in a long time, though. Mm-hmm. I miss it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm glad to be getting back to it. You know, I did my first show last year, uh, and it was the first, I, when I say first show, the first show that I had done in 30 years. The last show that I had done was in Cleveland, um, and I uh, did Pirates of Penzance in the cool. summer of 1983. So here it was, the summer of 2013, and... Uh, found myself back on stage again after a little 30-year hiatus. And boy, I had a ball. It was such a blast. So yeah, I'm hoping to do more of that. I just did a show for the Hollywood Fringe Festival um, about a month ago. And that was great fun too. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of a little hard to kind of weave into my schedule now, just sort of being as busy as I am. Yeah. So do you have any big projects you're working on right now that people can I, look for? I, I don't not not projects per se. I, you know, I've got appearances coming up. I'm I'm going to, and I don't know when you're planning on uh, airing this, but um, August tenth. Uh, all right, well, weekend. Yeah. The, all right, well, that'll be the day that uh, that I'll be uh, leaving. Um, actually, the day before that, I'll be leaving uh, Birmingham. Uh, I should say Birmingham, uh, England, because I'm going over to uh, uh, the uh, biggest. Transformers convention in Europe. Wow. It's called Auto Assembly. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm going over for the second time. They had me over in 2012. So two years ago, I did this and it was great fun. I'm going back again um, for the weekend that this is airing. So I'll be over there then, now. And, um, and then, yeah, and then coming back. Uh, after that, uh, to let me see. Um, the next thing I got going is, a, uh, is an appearance. We're doing another TMNT. Uh, appearance, the four of us at uh, Rose City Comic Con in Portland in um, September. I think it's September 20th and 21st that weekend. And then the following weekend, we're doing another appearance down in San Antonio at the Alamo City Comic Con. Cool. And uh, yeah, and so then that takes us into October. And and then my daughter's getting married. Wow. So yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, those are just kind of the big things that I have coming up. But, uh, you know, my what keeps me busy is just my promo work uh, every day. You know, I do the, like I said, stuff for ABC and a lot of stuff for ABC Family, The Hub, uh, Judge Judy, uh, Radio Spots. And I, I also do um, the daily promos for Live with Kelly and Michael, huh. you know, which is my kind of my, 
my bread and butter gig. Yeah. That ABC and ABC Family are, are in the hub are kind of my bread and butter gigs. So I'm thankful to have those. And it's but it's all promo, so I don't have any animation, you know, projects or anything like that coming up. Well, hopefully one day you'll uh, you'll come into Kansas City. We have a thing called Planet Comic Con that happens every year. No. So we need to get you guys over down to Planet Comic Con. We've had some Star Wars people in here, but we need to have some Ninja Turtles. All right. Well, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I think it happens every J- May or June around here. Okay. So, yeah, if you know anybody that's interested in getting you guys coming, then, hey, I'd love to, you know, actually meet uh, you in person. All right. But I definitely want to thank you for coming on the show today. This was My awesome. pleasure. Jeremy, you've been great. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And, uh, and thank you so much for for um, you know being so present and for being a fan of of this work. It it you know it always uh, it amazes me and 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 touches me too that you know people like something that I did. I mean, yeah. I know it sounds probably a little corny, but um, but no, really, you know, it's because uh, I, I know what it's like to be a fan. You know, I was a fan, you know, of uh, you know all kinds of stuff when I was a kid and getting to meet some of my heroes and and some of the people that I you know. Not necessarily idolized, but you know, I was a bit starstruck by. Um, was has always been a thrill for me when when I get to meet them. So, um, you know, with with the internet now and the and the and the accessibility that we have to to practically everything, um, it, it you know it really makes it a lot of fun. It can it can get a little unnerving at times as well, but uh, but you know to be able to talk to folks like you is always a highlight and a pleasure. So thank you so much. And, of course, you're welcome to come back anytime. Appreciate that. Okay. You got it. Okay. Okay. Well, that should just about wrap it up. Uh, quick little couple of news briefs I'll go ahead and throw out just because it was so big and you probably already know this. But uh, Weird Al Yankovic, there's a petition going around and actually apparently being successful trying to get him to be able to play the Super Bowl, which is pretty cool and exciting. But... I really don't know that a petition is going to get him to play the Super Bowl. I think the NFL kind of chooses their acts probably a couple of years in, in advance. But how cool would that be if he does? Another bit of cool news that I'm sure you already knew about, but uh, I figure it was so big that I have to say something. Superman versus Batman, Dawn of Justice, has pushed Oh, their release date back, or, or actually ahead by a, a few months because they were in direct battle with the third Captain America movie. Which is something also you probably heard about. It was big news, but you know it's such big news that I have to make sure I say something this week. I couldn't wait until next week to uh, to mention it, but uh, it seemed appropriate for our show. And uh, that's just some pretty cool kind of things. I really hope it would be nice to have Weird Al do a, a halftime show. That actually would be fun. I don't know if they would ever do it, but it would be fun. That would be a good show. And uh, go Marvel. Anyways... <laughs> But remember to subscribe and rate the Neverland Podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. In fact, I'm going to try to get a couple of links on NeverlandPodcast.com to where you can go directly to our page and write us up a review. We do appreciate those reviews and those five-star ratings because it helps more people find the show. And we hope you're telling your friends and, heck, tell your enemies. Tell them about the show and how much fun you're having listening. Uh, We have a lot more fun stuff coming. I mean, today was awesome. Uh, We had a great guest, but we got a lot. Lots of fun planned coming up. Uh, and uh, this show's just getting better with uh, the team I have now. Jesse's been a great addition to the team. He's got all kinds of ideas. So it's just, this is becoming more fun for me by the minute. And I hope it's more fun for you too. 
Anyways, uh, but make sure also go ahead and follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. Uh, having lots of fun on that. I'm tweeting a lot of different things. Uh, but to find even more stuff, because sometimes there's things I get on Facebook that I don't get quite on to Twitter, go to Facebook.com slash NeverlandPodcast and follow us there. And you can, of course, find links to both of these at NeverlandPodcast.com. Uh, you can email us, podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. Please let us know uh, what you think of the show. Send some feedback. Send some fun ideas. Send some fun memories of things that you enjoyed when you were younger that make you feel young and uh, or help you spread some pixie dust. And I would actually like to hear if you have a story of either you yourself or someone else did something in life that just spread a little bit of extra pixie dust and it was doing something really cool for someone else or someone did something really cool for you that really just made your day, uh, share it. This is, this is a place for pixie dusk. This is our land of happy thoughts. This is our land of dreams. This is Neverland. I want to hear about those stories. In fact, if you want to tell us the story, you can leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. In fact, all of that information also can be found at NeverlandPodcast.com. Did I mention NeverlandPodcast.com? Com. Come check out the website. Uh, we put some work into that. And while you're there, there, we have some sponsors. We have some friends. We'd love for you to visit our friends of some other podcasts that if you enjoy this one, you would enjoy these other podcasts as well. They're they're great podcasts. They're all ones that I listen to, and I enjoy them. So, But yeah, check out the other podcasts. Visit some of our sponsors. Uh, MyComicShop.com has a nice little link over there. Uh, where you can you know buy some comics if you're curious about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics. I'll make sure I make you a link to go directly to search for those. Also, Up and Up Travel, it's kind of a new thing. That's actually Jesse, uh, Lost Boy Jesse, is working as a, I think he's mainly Disney exclusive uh, for his travel agency. He'd love to help you out and get you a really good deal on a really fun trip to a Disney park. Or I think he can probably do, do Disney cruises and things like that. Uh, I haven't really uh, learned everything he can do yet, but... You know, contact him. See what he can do for you. He'd love to help you out, too. So, but we would like to just thank you now for hitting that download budding button. <laughs> budding. And we're budding into a wonderful podcast. But go ahead and, and download us again next week. We're going to have more fun. We thank you every time you hit that download and you take the time to listen to us. We love having people to share the fun with. It's not all just about us. We love sharing our Pixie Desk every week with, with those of you out there that are enjoying it. And remember to spread that Pixie Dust to all of your friends. You got to keep your Pixie in your pocket to do that. You got to always be able to pull out that good attitude and that smile and to just do something cool for somebody sometime you know it makes you feel good sometimes even when you help somebody else out and just do a nice thing for people and it makes them feel good you know that's that's what we're about we're, we're, we're about never giving up on our dreams and having a good attitude and trying to spread that good attitude to other people it's sometimes hard to do but sometimes you just gotta pull through you know we're, we're all in this together we're all having our own place and we all like to come off to our own neverland and enjoy things all together and so that's my message for every week but uh, until next time uh, thanks for listening once again and god bless bye bye <laughs>